Good morning. Good morning. All right. Y'all got me for one more Sunday. Pastor Mark will be back next week. Um, <laughs> that is not me, Pastor Mark. I didn't do that. But um, I, I hope y'all understand. Pastor Mark's been super busy. I hope y'all are keeping him in his prayers. He's been doing a lot of stuff, um, a lot of stuff for church and everything. So um, just keep in your prayers. Um, so, sorry, I'm trying to think. Okay. I think I'm, we'll start with prayer and we'll hop in. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we have to be here. Thank you for the time that we can worship you and sing to you and just express our hearts to you. Uh, be with us as we dive into the word and as always, keep us grounded in the truth of your word and that we could learn from it and apply it to our hearts. And we just love you so much. Amen. All right. So um, this week as I was studying, it was one of those weeks where things just line up perfectly. You can see God moving, or I could see God moving and things that were happening in my life throughout this week. And it's just crazy how God aligns those sometimes. So like when we pay attention, sometimes we can see God do like these little things in our life that perfectly teach us a lesson or remind us of something, like a student saying something to you to remind you of something you read in the Bible or when you like see a sign out while you're driving that makes you think about a scripture, or um, when a co- you hear a coworker say something and it convicts you of something that you've been praying about. So things like that happen in life all the time, right? And this week, as I was studying for this sermon, um, uh, which as you can see is going to be dealing with anxiety, God brought along an interaction in my life that really caught my attention and made me think about what we're going to look at today. So recently, I sat down with um, a friend that I hadn't seen in about 10 years, and we were just catching up on life. Um, and just like how that always goes, we were talking about kids and family and wives and uh, just updating each other and having a good time, all right? And um, as we were talking, he was explaining to me how he had a full-time job that took care of his family, but he also had this side business that was really, it was going really well. And it was really interesting to hear about because it was something that he enjoyed. And that's always fun to listen to somebody talk about a passion that they enjoy, and especially when it's going well. And he was just talking to me about that. And he was telling me that the income from that side job, it was actually able to normally match his full-time job each week and sometimes double what he was making each week. So I was getting really excited. And I'm one of those friends, like, I, I call myself the hype man, because, like, when I, get, when I see that you're doing well, I like to get excited and hype you up and really help you feel good about it. And so as I was hearing that, I was getting really excited. And the fact that he was making that much money just on something on the side is really, like, encouraging. And so I got excited with him, and I told him how awesome that was. And then I asked him, I said, why don't you just do that? Why don't you like quit your full-time job since you're making more money anyway and just do what you like? And he looked at me and he said one short sentence that really caught my attention and I was like, wow. He, so I asked, why don't you quit your job and do this side job that's doing so well? And he said, because it's scary. And that really caught me off guard and, or not off guard, it just really hit me um, because he brought up all the worries about insurance, and he has three kids, and he didn't know, like, how everything would work out in a couple years. So that insecurity of owning your own business, and especially when that's your only income. And honestly, that made total sense. Uh, it, 
I, whenever I asked a question, I didn't think about the long-term situation like he had. Um, and so it just wasn't something that I even considered. But it really made me realize how that worry and that anxiety and scary parts of life really show up for each other in different ways. And that conversation, along with a few other things that happened throughout the week for me, really showed me that God wanted me to go a certain way with this sermon. And so as we were getting started, this topic of anxiety and that worry comes up quite a few times in Scripture. Uh, Let me make sure this works. Oh, maybe, probably not. That helps. There we go. Thank you. Try it. It like vibrated. There we go. Okay. So there's four scriptures up there, and I'm just going to read them real quick. So just listen as we go through it. Uh, So Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 10.19 says, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Then again, these are all Jesus, by the way. Luke uh, 12, 11, uh, Jesus said, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. And then the last one on our list right here is Philippians. So this is Paul. He uh, says it once. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So this instruction, the words, do not be anxious, show up quite a few times in Scripture. And that right there is what we would call an imperative. And that's a word that I actually learned from Pastor Mark, because I'm super not one of those, like, English grammar, sentence structure type people. I'm definitely more, like, math aligned. Um, So that's not something that I would normally learn about. But the one thing that I have picked up uh, from Pastor Mark is that when an imperative is in the Bible, it is important. Because an imperative means that we're hearing a command, right? And when we hear a command, we have to take heed because that means it's something that we need to align our lives with and something that we need to live out. And the scripture that we're going to look at today uh, actually starts off with that same exact imperative, okay? And so let's take a look. These, that's not even what we're studying. So we're going to be in, oh, sorry, there we go. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And we're going to be starting in verse 22. I don't know. There we go. All right. So Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Uh, and it starts with, And he said to his disciples, Therefore, and stop. All right. So if you're still flipping there, you've got time to catch up. I want to stop because another thing that I feel that we've probably all learned from Pastor Mark is this word, and Pastor Adam as well, is how important this word is. So I'm going to call on Zoe. I'm sorry. I hope there's no pressure. What is the question we always ask when we see this word? There we go. Okay. That was the only part of this sermon where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen for sure. But you did a great job. Thank you. So that's right. Anytime we see the word therefore, we have to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? And we ask that because that means what is about to be said directly relates to what was said immediately before. So in this case, we're starting in verse 22, and it says that he's talking to the disciples, therefore. In this case, he was uh, talking about what we went over last week. So last week, we talked about a a parable that Jesus taught about the rich fool, right? 
And we learn that when we are focused on all the things that we have in this life, all our possessions, that we are being fools. And we talked about the question, do we consider everything as ours? Do we always think and take care of ourselves first and foremost? And most importantly, at the end of his parable, Jesus instructed us to lay up our treasures for ourselves, but to be rich toward God. And so he ended with those two options. And then that's where we're picking up. So keeping all of that in mind about the rich fool, excuse me, about the rich fool, we keep in mind that as we keep reading. So now we'll move on to the actual rest of the verse, maybe. I don't know where to point this thing. There we go. Okay, so we're going to do verses 22 and 23. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So Jesus tells us, don't focus on money and material possessions. He told us that in the parable before as well. He tells us our life is not made up in abundance of things, right? And immediately, right after he tells us that in the parable, he says, do not be anxious. He gives us that imperative, that command. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. In fact, don't be anxious about life. He tells us that command, right? And that just makes me nervous. The Lord's teaching might make us wonder how our earthly needs are going to be met if all we're focused on is storing up treasure in heaven. But this is a command. This is an imperative. Uh, That means if we don't follow what Jesus is saying here, then we're sinning. And boy, oh boy, does that make this mean something a whole lot bigger all of a sudden. Does that mean when we're anxious about life that we're committing a sin? Yes, it does. And that's hard. It's hard to accept and believe that being anxious and having anxiety over lives, over things that we don't have control is a sin. Because honestly, the ironic truth is that our society is probably the most affluent, the most comfortable, the most indulged society ever. And it's also the most stressed out, the most worried, and the most anxiety-ridden one. That's the irony here, because we have so much money, we have so many things, but we're so full of anxiety. And we all deal with anxieties that come with life, worried about where things will come from and how things will work out and how things are going to happen. I feel comfortable saying that everyone deals with at least some type of anxiety in some capacity, some more severe than others, of course. But Jesus is going to tell us why and how for handling, handling this sin. So look what he says next in verse 24. Uh, He starts, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor weep. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If you are not able to do a uh, small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So Jesus explains to us. And first, he relates with food. The ravens don't work in fields. They don't store up food in a barn. And He's directly relating this back to the parable that he just talked about. Because remember, the rich fool, he stored up all his food in the barn. And he's saying the ravens don't have to do that. And yet God still feeds them. He takes care of them. How much more valuable are we than the birds? We are his people. We're created in in his image. How much more will God care for us than he does the birds? God will care for his people. And beyond that, Jesus asked, uh, who can add a single hour to your life by worrying? He's referring to God's sovereignty here. God controls our life in every way. He has planned out our beginning and our end. There's nothing we can do to change what God has ordained. So Jesus is pointing out that, honestly, it's useless. If we can't even add an hour to our lives, 
Why be anxious? Why worry about it? Why are you worried about anything else? And so we keep going. In verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. So Jesus is explaining to us again, and this time he relates it to clothing. The flowers don't work or make clothing, yet look at how beautiful God created them, and he takes care of them. And these are here today, and they're gone tomorrow. How much more will he clothe us? And he says all of this again, just like he did with the birds. And so if Jesus is telling us something twice, if he's trying to make the same point two times in a row, it's probably important that we listen, right? I know, like, when Felicia tells me something, and I'm like, all right, all right. And then she says it again, like, okay, this is serious. I got to pay attention, okay? And so that's important for us to listen to. And then oh, at the end, that last little sentence he says, oh, you of little faith. Wow. Just like last week, whenever we talked about God, um, when he talked to the rich fa farmer, he called him a fool. And we mentioned how much that would hurt if God were to look at our lives and call us a fool. Here's Jesus in his own words, and imagine if Jesus were looking at you while you were being worried, while you were being anxious over something that you had no control over, and he said to you, to your face, he said, oh, you of little faith. Man, that would honestly just be heartbreaking if I'm looking at Jesus and he said that. I feel like, I would feel like I completely let Jesus down, and that should affect us, all right? We are, and... Sometimes we look at the Bible and we feel like we're not, we're not supposed to have emotions and we're not supposed to be filled with these feelings, but we're humans and God gave us feelings and we can let that affect us. We can let that upset us because that should move us to change, right? We should see that as a big deal. We should see that anxiety and worrying really is a big deal and we should let that take effect in our lives. And so we keep looking and Jesus tells us how Christ can make those people different. Verse 29, he says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, keep his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. He says that the world seeks after these things. They work after and follow the things in this world, and they worry over all these things. That's what they're focused on. But the Father already knows that we need him, and the Father has everything under control. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory, Christ Jesus. Instead of focusing on attention, our attention on getting things, getting food and drink and clothes and things of this world, and focusing our efforts on worrying and being anxious about the future, instead of all those things, just focus on the kingdom and the rest will follow. The rest will follow. The Father will add these things to us. He'll take care of us. And next, Jesus says something so simple and sweet, and gentle. And remember last week, again, I know I keep referring, but I mentioned last week how Jesus had a personality. And in fact, last week, if you remember, I called him a little sassy, right? This week, I'm showing you he has personality again. Here's something that we can see. And I love to point that out because a lot of times we have this imposing image of Jesus that he was just this stern, like, mean-looking dude sometimes, but he was a real person. And he had emotions. And so here he is in the next verse, in verse 32. We're going to see that he's being gentle with, with his followers. So in verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moths destroy. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He calls us his, his followers. He calls us his little flock. He comforts us. He just told us to seek for his kingdom. And now here he is telling us that God finds pleasure in giving us the kingdom. How awesome is that? He delights in it. He wants to do it. He wants to see us seeking him and living our lives for him. He finds pleasure in rewarding us for that. And we are to provide ourselves with money bags that don't grow old. He's saying, don't hold on to the money and the possessions that are here. They have no real importance. We want to be rich in things that can't be destroyed. And what we're talking about are the good works that we do for Christ, the love that we have for Christ, the compassion we have for others. Those are the rich things that cannot be destroyed. And most importantly, our salvation cannot be destroyed. Hold on to those things. And his last sentence here really gives me hope here. I love when we're given a way to know and test what we're taught in the Bible. Jesus says, where our heart is, there is where, or sorry, where our treasure is, that is where our heart is also. So what we value most is where our heart is. So we can think to ourselves. He gives, gives us a way to test ourselves. So we can ask, do I treasure what I have here on earth? Do I make that stuff more important in my life, more important in my life than doing what God wants me to? More than doing the good works that I was created to do? What has more value in my life? Because that's where my heart is, Right? And so that's a good way for us to test. And that's a good way for us to know. And so listen, this is normally where I could stop my sermon, right here. This is a natural stopping point. We finished this scripture that I wanted to look at. And I could sum it all up and pray and we could be done. And I don't think I'd be wrong for that because we went over the scripture. I think we talked about the truth. And everyone would probably be happy that we only lasted 10 minutes. But, (laughs) but... As I was studying this, it won't be, it'll be like two more minutes, don't worry. Um, But as I was studying this week, like I said, a lot of things really hit me as I was going through and had interactions in my life and listening to things. Um, I really think that this command from Jesus is such a hard thing to follow. Not to be anxious. I'm sure there are some personalities out there that are able to resist that a lot easier than others because we all deal with things differently than one another, right? But I know in my life and in knowing people and talking to other people that this is something that is hard to apply to our lives day in and day out. That command, do not be anxious, that's hard. That's not something easy to follow. I think if we're all honest with an an examination of our lives, anxiety and worry seep in at least somewhere for all of us. And as I was thinking about that, I didn't want to leave the sermon just saying, you know, the scripture without recognizing the fact that this is hard and there's a true reality to this. Because just like a lot of things in the Bible, I feel like we've said this a ton in Sunday school recently, it's very easy to say, but it's much harder to actually live out. And the thing is, the Bible gives us a lot of things to help us and a lot of things to encourage, encourage us with this specific issue, all right? And the first place that my mind went with these other places in the Bible that can help us is one of the most popular verses in the entire Bible, all right? And before I even mention what the verse is, I want to make a point about it. Because this verse is one that I see all over the place. I see it on little signs in Hobby Lobby. I see it on all kinds of inspirational posters, and it's shared on social media all the time. But honestly, it's taken out of context a good bit of the time. And the verse that I want to use to encourage us is Philippians 4.13. And that verse, if 
you're any slightly familiar with it, you would know. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this actually came up in Sunday school today, uh, in our Sunday school. But I want to make sure we realize what this is actually talking about and make sure that we keep it in the context that it was intended. Because it honestly addresses the exact issue that our scripture in Luke is speaking about. So if we back up a few verses before verse 13, we can look at verses 10 through 12. And so, I'll re- so this is Philippians 4, 10 through 12. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were in- indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking out of need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right. You see, Paul is specifically talking about his life situations concerning money. He is saying every circumstance, he should be content. And when we are in need or brought low or when we're abounding, when we have plenty or when we hunger, when we have abundance or when we're in need, the secret to dealing with this, Paul tells us the secret to dealing with this is we are to be content no matter what. In other words, we're to be content with circumstances instead of worrying or being anxious. Paul tells us that. And that secret is that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. A lot of times people use that for anything, right? We can uh, use that as a Christ follower to support anything that we want to do. We can say it when we go after dreams or whatever it is that we can think of. And I'm not saying God won't provide for our dreams or anything like that. But this verse, this verse is specifically talking about being content in all types of situations. That life that Jesus was talking about, not worrying because God takes care of the birds and the flowers, the secret to doing that is something we know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And what an encouragement. What a great thing to know that we can get through all these things because Christ is the one who strengthens us. We don't have to depend on ourselves, our sinful, depraved selves. We find our strength in Christ who knew, who knew all about us, but he will never fail. So I challenge you, let this verse encourage you to start whenever you do start to feel anxious about life and all that that brings up. Know that the Bible has specifically addressed that situation and it's saying that you can do all things through Christ, whatever the circumstances. And another verse that I feel is worthy of mentioning is uh, something else written by Paul, but this time it's in 1 Corinthians. So in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, again, I mentioned this in Sunday school, we want to make sure that we are keeping everything in context. So in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is specifically warning against idolatry, which honestly sounds like it wouldn't really connect with what we're talking about today. But as he's addressing the uh, issue of idolatry, Paul makes a statement that encompasses much more than that one temptation. So if you take a look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul is talking to them, uh, to his audience, and he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He says no temptation. So when he says this, he is including the temptation of idolatry, of course, because that's what he's talking about. But he states, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So that includes the temptation to be anxious as well. He says, all temptation is common to man. So do you realize what that means? It means you are not special in this. You are not alone. Other people deal with the same thing that you do. 
And that is the first encouragement from this verse. Because isn't it a great thing to know that we're not alone in this? It makes it easier to look at and try to face whenever we uh, feel that anxiety. To know, okay, I know other people feel this way. Other people uh, struggle with this. But do you know what that means? You know the only way that you can actually come up and think about that is by talking to other Christ followers. By actually living life with them and talking through all the sticky parts of life. If we keep everything to ourselves, we can't help other people and we can't be help for other people. That is such an important part of fellowship. We have to be willing to open up and be vulnerable with other people. So that's the first part. The second part of the verse is another encouragement. Paul said that God will not tempt us past our abilities, that he will provide a way of escape, that we will be able to endure it. God will provide a way for us through this temptation. So if we truly lean into this, we can trust in God to know that whatever anxiety or worry that we're going through in life, God will be with us to endure it. Again, this scripture isn't talking about being anxious specifically, but it's talking about all temptation. And what an uplifting idea that is to keep in our hearts, that we know that God is with us, to understand that God will endure it with us and go through it with us, to understand that we're not alone. We have other people here that are going through it. That's what the scripture said, but that God is with us and he will provide a way of escape. So as we deal with anxiety, especially as it pertains to our living conditions and worrying about what will happen in life, what Christ was talking about, remember first that Christ commands us not to be anxious. We have to understand that type of anxiety is sinful. It is a command that we're given. It's totally logical, and it makes sense to be anxious about things in life. But when we allow it to overtake our mindsets, it shows a weakness in our faith in God. But remember all the things that we've read today to help us through this difficult command. Remember how Jesus said, if God takes care of the birds and the flowers, how much more will he take care of you? Remember that instead of living with a purpose to obtain possessions, that we should live to seek the kingdom. And even more than that, the Lord delights in giving us the kingdom. Whenever we seek it, he delights in giving us that. And not only is that what we're supposed to do, but the Lord delights in it. Also, remember that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Remember that we can go through all kinds of circumstances because it is Christ who strengthens us, and he will never fail us. And remember that God made a way for us to endure the idea of anxiety. He made an escape for our temptations. He made a way for us to get out of that. We have the Holy Spirit with us to help us through that. And lastly, I want to leave us with one last verse as a reminder that when we feel that weight of anxiety and that weight of worry, uh, Psalm 56.3, and it's short and sweet, and I love that type of thing. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When we feel that fear, when we feel that coming up in our lives, let us first lean in and trust in the Lord. And let us know that we are not called to live a life in anxiety, but to a life of seeking the kingdom and that we will trust in the Lord anytime that comes up so that we don't fall into the sin of anxiety. So as we finish, as we, uh, again, I told you it would be another short one, but as we finish, just remember all these things. God gave us so many, uh, sorry, Jesus gave us so many tools that we can get through all of this with. Keep those as a reminder. Keep them in your heart as you're going through we go through so many tough things. We have um, parents in the hospital. We have coworkers that are going through hard times. 
We have um, children that are going through sports or academics, and uh, we just don't know what's going to happen next. And it's really easy to let that overwhelm us and overtake us because that's the reality of life. But Jesus specifically addresses that here. And we have to remember that we are to seek the kingdom first and then everything else will follow. So let's pray as we end. And thank you guys. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the word that you give us in Luke. Thank you for um, the comfort that you give us that you are there to endure everything with us. Thank you for telling us that it, uh, anxiety is a sin, to tell us that we are to trust in you. And God, I pray that we would uh, keep you in our hearts, that we would trust you anytime we have that fear, anytime we have that anxiety, that we would just lean in and trust in you and trust in your strength because you will never fail us, God. Help us have that in our lives because God, what a great light that will be to other people around us. Whenever they see us going through a hard time or they see something that we're struggling with and we're not showing signs of anxiety, we're not worried about it because we're trusting in you. What a way for us to show other people the strength that we have in you, God. Help us keep that in mind as we live life this week and help us just to shine your light and do everything for your glory as we continue. And God, we just love you so much. Amen.